This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. In this episode, we'll talk about the NBA offseason upcoming, the weird Kawhi Leonard situation, how that may transpire and be resolved and how it will affect everything else going along with the NBA throughout the summer. Uh, That includes LeBron James, includes Paul George. We'll discuss all that and how it all might fall in the end. Also talk about tomorrow night's NBA draft, Sixers with the 10th overall pick. Talk about that a little bit and who they could end up with. Also touch on the Phillies and their erratic play of late. Some good, some bad. The bullpen has been an issue, as we all know. We'll talk about that later on. I know it's been a while as away in Jamaica for my honeymoon. I'll talk about that more and uh, my wedding, all that kind of stuff this weekend when I'm on uh, 94 WIP. But for now, let's talk a little NBA offseason. So last week, really last Friday, the story breaks that Kawhi Leonard, you know, what we knew the whole time when he didn't play all last season with that phantom hamstring injury, which the team thought he was good to go. He said he didn't think he was, and the whole situation kind of seemed fishy. We all kind of knew then that Kawhi wanted out of San Antonio. It was pretty evident to everybody, looking at that situation up close and from afar, that it seemed like Kawhi Leonard was ready for a change. And it kind of becomes public and is made official by Woj last Friday when the reports come out that Kawhi wants out of San Antonio and prefers to go to Los Angeles, whether it be the Lakers or the Clippers. And initially, your thoughts immediately go to how does that affect LeBron James and how does it affect the Sixers? Because this Kawhi Leonard situation is incredibly unique. It's very rare that you see a player... Of his stature, which I've I've said for a long time, I think Kawhi Leonard is the third best player in the NBA. Uh, I rank him LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard. He, he's that good. When he's healthy, he is that good a player. He doesn't always get that kind of notoriety because he is quieter. His marketing um, isn't at the same level, which I think is, is part of the reason Kawhi wants out of San Antonio is he doesn't think he gets recognized the way he deserves down there. It's more of a team culture. Nobody really stands out. He doesn't have the biggest personality, so to not have the strongest personality and be in a market that, while they're a successful franchise, not the kind of market that that is that nationally you know, covered on a day-to-day basis, you're just maybe not going to get the recognition that you feel you deserve down there. And Kawhi wants to go to a bigger market. I think that's kind of obvious. And the Lakers, especially when you look at the Lakers and the Clippers specifically for right now, since that's where Kawhi, the reports are that he would prefer, he's from that area, it would be interesting. And 
last year when the Lakers blew out the buses and and kind of brought in Magic Johnson to oversee and run the whole basketball operation. I thought it was a curious move. Magic Johnson, for all he he did as a player and, and a commentator, he never really had front office experience. He never really had experience building a program, building a team. But, you know, this is where you... Having a guy like that, a guy like Magic Johnson, with that that name and that aura and, and all that brings... This is where that can be beneficial to you. To appeal to a guy like Kawhi Leonard and that market, that brand can do a lot for a player. And that's why they're always in play no matter how poorly they've run their organization, how you know bad their roster looks right now. Because I'm not in love with that roster. I didn't like Lonzo Ball coming out of college. I still don't like Lonzo Ball that much. Kuzma's a nice player. Brandon Brandon Ingram, I think, is a pretty good player. But that roster is nothing that special. And they, they don't they don't have a ton there, but but just that market, just that brand is enough to attract a guy like Kawhi Leonard to want to be traded there. And if if they could make it work with the Spurs and get Kawhi Leonard, which I have trouble seeing it. Because I just think there are other teams out there like the Celtics, like the Sixers, even though I think the Celtics clearly have more. Thanks in large part to, to Eric Jr., Brian Colangelo, for for giving them that Kings pick, that very valuable Kings pick next season. I, I don't think the Lakers could outbid a team like the Boston Celtics. But this is where LeBron James come, comes into play here. Because you see that report about Kawhi wanting to be traded and wanting to be traded to the Lakers. And you know that the Lakers are a team, because of the brand, as we discussed in the market, that are on LeBron's radar. Are they the first option for him? Maybe, maybe not. We don't really know that at this point. But I think everybody kind of knows the Lakers are on LeBron James' radar. That is a spot that he is considering. That's a spot that he's looking at. And it's interesting, with the kind of power LeBron James has, he has, you know, as much power as anybody in the league. In a league where the players have most of the power, LeBron has more power than any general manager, any coach, anybody. And if LeBron does want to go to L.A., if he wants to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, if that is... In his mind, his first choice, which nobody knows, LeBron does a tremendous job of keeping that information private and keeping it guarded. He doesn't share this kind of sensitive information with a lot of people. He never has. And he knows he can't because it'll get out. But if LeBron does want to get to L.A., I can guarantee you, he is trying to pull the strings. He's trying to get... Kawhi there first and you know for all we've known we know Kawhi and LeBron have spoken I mean this is pure speculation at this point obviously but when a report like that comes out it does make you wonder that if the Lakers are LeBron's preferred destination that he you know maybe has a phone conversation with Kawhi and he knows Kawhi wants out everybody knows Kawhi wants out 
And we all know, you know, the Lakers are an attractive spot for any player. Who knows if LeBron called Kawhi and said, hey, not you know, get out there. Not only do you want to get traded, but you want to get traded to L.A. Because if you get dealt there, I'll go there too. And then we'll have a legitimate shot to knock off the Golden State Warriors. Whether the Lakers would still be able to bring in Paul George at that point, I'm not sure. But you start a team with LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, you're you're in play immediately to beat anybody. You have two of the three best players in the world. You're going to have the two best players on the floor pretty much every night you go out and play. So it's interesting to see how that transpires. Now, as I said, I don't think the Lakers end up getting a deal done for Kawhi Leonard because I just don't think they have enough to offer. The reports have also been out there that Boston is interested. That's the scary one for me. Because I've thought the whole time, ever since the Kawhi Leonard situation has started last year, that I thought he's he's destined to end up a Celtic. When you look at all the assets that Danny Ainge and Boston has accumulated over the past five years, ever since that that Brooklyn uh, Nets trade in which Billy King basically just started the Celtic dynasty, well, not a dynasty, but a Celtic run of success by giving them all those assets for a washed-up Paul Pierce and a washed-up Kevin Garnett. They've been waiting. They've been stockpiling for the right moment to spend it on an established star player. I think their goal had for a long time, their sights had been set on Anthony Davis. But the Pelicans, I think, accomplished enough this past year getting to the second round in the West. They're not ready to deal Anthony Davis. They're going to hold on to him. They're going to try over the next couple years to convince him to stay. So Boston uh, could turn their sights elsewhere. And Kawhi Leonard is a star player, a bona fide star player, who is available right now. And if there's ever a time for the Boston Celtics to, to spend that collateral on a guy, it's right now to go get to go get a player like Kawhi Leonard. They have enough to get it done. They can offer more than anybody. That's where Boston is in such a high leverage position is they can outbid anybody. I mean, look at the assets. Look at the attractive assets they have. The Kings unprotected pick next year that should still be with the Sixers, but Brian Colangelo got jumpy and traded up the number one for Markel Fultz. We all know that turned out. The Celtics still ended up getting Jason Tatum, an incredibly attractive piece. They have Kyrie Irving with one year left on his deal. If Kyrie Irving is willing to accept a trade and gives his word to a team, say Kyrie Irving says, yeah, if you trade me to San Antonio, I'll resign there. I'll play for Greg Popovich. I'll be the, I'll be the face of San Antonio basketball. He's an attractive trade piece for the Spurs. If they have to trade Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard says, hey, I may, you know, I'll come back for the year, but I'm I'm not going to resign. Spurs pretty much have to trade him. It forces their hand. They need to get something back. They can't let Kawhi Leonard just walk away for nothing. If you can get Kyrie Irving and the Kings pick and maybe a Jalen Brown, 
that's about as good as you're going to do. And at least in that case, you're getting a face of the franchise type player back. I mean, you look at these trades when these star level or guys just beneath the superstar level get traded, you're not getting that much back. You're just not. Look at the deal for Paul George. I mean, the Oladipo had a good year. It looks like it was a decent move for the for the Pacers, but you know, they got Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, and they didn't get a ton in that deal. Just some of the other moves for, for these high-level players, you're just not going to get a lot back typically because you just don't have the leverage. The leverage just isn't there for the team that needs to get rid of these players because the, the player forces their hand because the player has all the power. And it just scares me because I think the Boston Celtics have more to offer than any team. Um, there has been some some rumors that the Sixers are are interested, which I obviously they'd be interested. Every team is interested in acquiring Kawhi Leonard. I mean that that is pretty easy. But there's been you know some rumors that that some executives think all it would take for the Sixers is Markel Fultz, the tenth pick, and Robert Covington. Yeah, I do that in a second, but I don't believe that. I think the Spurs would want more. I, I think the Spurs would absolutely want a Dario Saric in that deal. Which, yeah, I, I'd, I'd include him for Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, part of this is you'd want to get Kawhi's word or be confident that he would not only come in for the year, but sign long-term. Maybe you're confident enough that you could bring him in on the one year and he'd have such a good experience this year that he'd want to stay. He does have a history with Brett Brown. They were in San Antonio together before Brett Brown uh, came to Philadelphia. So I think the Sixers are in the mix. But I don't think they can outbid Boston. I don't think anybody can outbid Boston, and that's the scariest part to me. And the Kawhi thing will influence where LeBron James goes. I mean, don't think for a second LeBron is just going to make an uninformed decision here. This is an incredibly important summer for LeBron James. Are the Sixers in the mix? Yeah. Am I overly confident they're going to get him? No. I mean, there are a lot of other teams with, you know, that attractive pitches for LeBron. Houston, especially. I don't see LeBron in Boston as a fit. I just don't see it. But Houston, the Lakers, I think they're the two teams. Right now, you look at look at the odds. I mean, the Lakers have the in. And that tells you that... They expect the Lakers to do other things. You know, yeah, Paul George has always had his eyes on the Lakers. But I, I don't know if the Lakers bringing in Paul George is enough to convince LeBron to go there. I think it could be something else. And I believe LeBron James is monitoring this Kawhi Leonard situation very closely. Is it guaranteed that they're going to end up playing together next year? Absolutely not. Is LeBron James beholden? To, to going wherever Kawhi goes, no. But if LeBron has his eyes set in a certain place like L.A., I think he's trying to pull the strings to get Kawhi there as well. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, but these rumors about Kawhi wanting to go to the Lakers and that being a place LeBron's eyeing, they're, they're, they're kind of scary because if they both go to the Lakers, I don't know where the Sixers are getting help. I really don't. I don't know where the Sixers would would get get it help this offseason. There's been talk about maybe 
trading for a player like you know I don't know a team that wants to shake it up a little bit I saw you know some people wanting the Sixers to trade for a DeMar DeRozan or a CJ McCollum or a Bradley Beal I I, those names I don't know maybe I'm setting my goals too high I just don't those names don't excite me like DeMar DeRozan yeah he's a nice player had a really good year he doesn't excite me would he be a decent fit? Yeah, he'd be a decent fit. Would he make the team better? Yeah, he'd make the team better. But I, I don't get that jacked up about DeMar DeRozan. Same thing with McCollum. Yeah, McCollum is it's had a really nice career so far in Portland. But is he getting you past Boston? Is he get, and, and forget about Boston. Are, are they any of these guys getting you past Golden State? No. The answer is no. And yeah, you can't just wait and and hope a. That one of the top players comes to your team every year. That's not necessarily realistic. But when you look at the landscape of the league, rather than trade for one of those guys, I'd rather do what you can do in free agency, even if you don't get one of the stars, which, yeah, it would suck. If you don't get LeBron, Kawhi, I'm not even that enthused about Paul George. But, yeah, I'd, I'd take Paul George. I think Paul George added to this team would make them better, and you don't have to give anything up. But yeah, I'd I'd certainly be interested in that. But rather than trading for these, you know, DeRozan or McCollum or Beal, you know, I still think there's a chance next summer that Clay Thompson could be lured away. And yeah, you're kind of pushing the can down the road a little bit, but you never know what can happen with, with that Warrior team. They're not going to be able to keep all those guys forever. Maybe Clay Thompson is is content to stay there and be kind of the third piece on that team forever. But you never know. And he would just be the perfect fit here. And I'd rather wait and try to get a guy like that to sign in a year than trade for a guy like DeMar DeRozan or or CJ McCollum. So now we'll look a little more short-term, look at the NBA draft tomorrow night. Sixers with the 10th pick and what they could be doing in that spot. NBA draft Thursday night. Sixers with... The 10th pick, it's been speculated for a while what they might do with that spot. Reports that they may want to trade up into the top five. I don't really like that idea. I don't I don't know any of the players in the top five that would be a great fit. I mean, I know a lot of people like this Luka Doncic kid. I don't, I don't know enough about him. I just don't think a young player can come in and improve your team enough quickly. Because th- this is different than years past. We... We're looking at the draft this year much differently than we have the past, what, five to seven years when the Sixers were drafting high and these the draft night was incredibly important to them. You're not in that same spot anymore. You're a real contender now who's looking to add to help your team right now. And I'd rather go, as we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, the free agency route, maybe the trade route to get a, a, a established player who can really come in and help your franchise now. So I don't love that idea of moving up. I I, I think you can get a decent player at 10. I know there's the speculation. Pretty much every mock draft that I have looked at. Has the Sixers taking Michael Bridges. The, the Villanova forward at number 10. And it's a move that, that makes sense. He's a 3 and D type player. Who seems to fit what they like to do. Defends well, can run the floor, can shoot the three, is a cutter, can get to the rim. 
and he would help. He'd step in. He's a versatile player that that seems to fit any system in today's NBA and would help. But is he a difference maker? I I don't I don't think so. And I do think some of it with Michael Bridges is a bit of a hometown bias. I think, you know, he's a Villanova kid. People think it would be cool for a Villanova kid to play for the Sixers, and it would be. That'd be fine. I mean, I'm a Temple guy. I don't love Villanova or anything, but it would be cool to see see a Villanova guy from the championship team come in and play for the Sixers. But I think he's getting maybe a little overhyped locally because of that aspect. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. He's not a guy who, you know, is is projected to go in the late teens who we want the Sixers to take a 10. It would not be a reach in any way to take Michael Bridges in that spot. But it's not a pick that really excites me. And uh, maybe, I, you know, I, as I said last segment, my, my goals are high with this team, and I don't apologize for that. I think this is the way we got to look at this franchise, is they should be looking to make the big-time moves to really improve the team. You know, that's why, uh, as I said, a guy like DeRozan, a guy like McCollum, doesn't interest me as much in trade. I'd rather really go after and get the big dogs. And... The draft is obviously a different animal, but Bridges is, I don't love his upside as much as some other guys. Another guy who they're really interested in, who I kind of like, is Kevin Knox from Kentucky. 6'8 forward, can do a lot of things. You know, similar in some ways, but different than Bridges. I think I think his upside's a little higher. And I, you just want them to get a player that can come in and, and really inject something to the team that they don't have. But honestly, just in general, this isn't that exciting of a draft. And not just that the Sixers are drafting 10th and they're not drafting as high as they have in past years. There's just not that star factor in this year's draft. There's not. Not not even from a Sixers perspective. Just as from a national NBA fan perspective, I'm not that hyped for this draft. You know, I don't know what's really going to happen. You know, last year, there was the trade-up for Fultz and everything, but around the league, there was a lot of speculation. Could Paul George get traded on draft night? You know, there could be... There's things happening with Kawhi Leonard, but at this point, him and Greg Popovich, based off what, what you believe reporting, are either meeting this week or have already met Tuesday... That's not early enough for something to get... Nothing's going to get done with Kawhi Leonard on Thursday night. You know? And and there's not, like, that Ben Simmons-level prospect at the top. Aiton's a good player. Donkage is a good player. The kid uh, from Duke, Bagley, has risen the boards. You know, there are some good players up there, but there's not, like, that big star potential. So I don't think it's going to be that exciting with draft overall. And... If the Sixers do end up with Bridges, it would be okay. It just wouldn't be wouldn't be overly exciting to me. But at the same time, I don't want them to move into the top five and give up assets for the future. I'm not sure what it would take to give up to get up to the top five. Obviously, looking forward, the Sixers' draft picks are not nearly as valuable as they used to be. They're not, you know, if things go according to plan, the Sixers aren't going to be drafting high. They're going to be drafting twenties every year. You become more amenable to moving your first-round selections now going forward. But I wouldn't, you know, I'm not in love with Markel Fultz. I I think there are issues there that I 
hope are correctable, and we'll see if they're correctable. But at the same time, I still think Markel Fultz might have a bigger upside than the guys in the top five this year. So I wouldn't like move a Markel Fultz to get into the top five. And hopefully there are some surprises um, across the league, though, and it's a fun draft night. I just don't see it right now. I don't see that that real big storyline that is usually there for the NBA draft. Now we'll turn our attention to the Phils. A, a weird week for them. Um, some frustrating plays. Some good things as well. We'll talk about the Phils a little bit. And uh, their tough week ahead. So I got back from uh, Jamaica and my honeymoon on Monday night. Uh, in time to watch the, the beginning of the Phillies Cardinals series. And... Doing this podcast right now during game three of the series, the afternoon game. I don't know what's going on right now, but I got to say, first two games, incredibly entertaining. I mean, whether the Phillies won or not, they won one of them, lost one of them. But I got to say, these these last two games to open this series have been two of the most entertaining games of the year. Very similar in the way they they played out, different in the result. Obviously, on Monday night, Philly's able to rally back in the end. Aaron Altair gets the game-winning hit in the ninth for the victory. Tuesday night, Reese Hoskins, a big double after Tommy Hunter blew the game to tie it up, but then Sir Anthony Dominguez gives up a solo homer in the ninth, and the Phils lose. And a lot of the discussion... So far on Wednesday after the you know the first two games where the bullpen has faltered once again is that Phillies bullpen. And what do you do in order to improve it? Because it is an issue. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there the I, I thought coming into the season that people within the organization and outside of the organization, in the media, were overrating this bullpen. I did. I, I thought they had some arms. They have some guys who have stuff back there and can can strike guys out and can, you know, light up the radar gun. But you, there wasn't that proven track record of success from a lot of these guys. There just wasn't. I mean, you look at some of these guys, it just like one-year success. guy like Hector Neris, who the Phillies were relying on for a big role. Not that much experience, a little success, but erratic, and this year has been a nightmare for Hector Neris to the point where he had to be sent down to AAA. And it's been like that with a lot of guys. They were putting a lot of faith in a guy like Hobie Milner, and Adam Morgan is another guy who I think people were incredibly overrating after, what, a good two, three months out of the bullpen to end last season? I mean, these weren't guys who could really come into a season fully relying on being consistent options. And it's hurt them. And they've had bad luck as well. You know, a guy like Pat Neshek, who reports arm trouble on opening day, and still we haven't seen him. I mean, hopefully he'll be back soon. Gabe Kapler said he's going to start a rehab assignment either Thursday or Friday this week. Hopefully he could be back with the team, I'm guessing, what, by late next week. And hopefully he could provide punch because really all you got back there that you can rely on on a night-to-night basis is Sir Anthony Dominguez. You know, Adubre Ramos shows flashes at times, but he's inconsistent. And that's the way it is with a lot of those guys in the bullpen. And I got to say, another free agent signing that has just not panned out is Tommy Hunter. 
Tommy Hunter was the one who blew the game Tuesday night in the seventh inning. Obviously, Dominguez homer in the ninth, but Tommy Hunter comes in in the seventh, gives up, gives up the lead. Phillies go down, and they, they were able to battle back, but Tommy Hunter has provided nothing. He has been a bad signing. And for all the people who bash Gabe Kapler, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm more moderate on Kapler. Some of the things he does are unconventional. Some of them make me scratch my head. But overall, I think he's done a pretty good job. I don't think Gabe Kapler has a ton to work with, and he's doing the most with what he has. But for all the people who freak out, the, these old school baseball people are just so annoying, who freak out about Sir Anthony Dominguez, how's he not your closer? Why are you bringing him in the seventh inning? That's why you bring him in the seventh inning sometimes. You bring him in in big situations to get the toughest outs of the game. They're not always the last three outs. Yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes Sir Anthony Dominguez will be the closer. But what's the difference if Tommy Hunter blows the game in the ninth inning or he blows the game in the seventh inning? You know, because all those people who say Dominguez must come in in the ninth, why are you bringing him in 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 the middle innings? What were you saying last night when Tommy Hunter's out there blowing the game? It's 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 kind of a dumb argument to me. Our guy, our is every guy built to be a closer? No, I mean you do need to have a guy with a certain kind of personality in that spot. But I don't have problems with. Gabe Kapler using Dominguez in some different ways, using him in a Swiss Army knife kind of way. It's a lot of teams do it. He's not. This is not a crazy innovative idea. I mean, the Indians do it with Andrew Miller. The Brewers do it with Hader. It's the way it is with a lot of teams in this day and age in baseball. Is you bring your best reliever in in the toughest spots and. There are many times this year when that strategy of bringing Dominguez in in those spots has worked for Gabe Kapler. But the bottom line is, it isn't enough. It's not enough. And Nishak coming back, if he's healthy, will help. There's no doubt about that. And that has really hurt the Phillies this year, him being out. But I do think Matt Klintak does need to look through the market a little bit and get somebody in here, man. You know, your organization has a lot of prospects, you can part with a couple of them. You're not going to have to give up an A, B-level prospect to go out and get a reliever who can help you. You know, because this team can contend. I mean, if you're in it, which they are in late June, you're getting to the point here where, okay, you don't just sell just because you're a young team. If you got a shot to make the playoffs, you go for it. Yeah, especially when you're not mortgaging the future. It's not like you're giving up a massive haul for a guy you think can come in and be a solid middle reliever for you, or if you want to keep Dominguez in that in that Swiss Army knife role, a guy who you're confident can come in and be a closer a few times a week for you when Dominguez has to come in in those spots. So I do think it is incumbent on Matt Klintak as we get toward the break here to help your manager out a little bit, man. I mean, Gabe Kapler has taken all these bullets from the media and the fans, but I don't know what else people want him to do. I really don't. Who's he going to throw out there? Who's he going to put out there? You know, he's got Dominguez, Arano, and and Ramos, and I think they're the only guys that you can really trust at this point. They're, and a lot of those guys are inconsistent. A lot The other guys in the bullpen are just not getting people out consistently enough to be relied on. 
The offense is coming around a little bit. Reese Hoskins, since he come, came back from the DL, is red hot, which we hoped we'd expected. Carlos Santana's picked it up big time after a rough April. The offense, I think, will be all right. Disappointing news with J.P. Crawford going down. He'll be out four to six weeks, and we are getting to the point here where this is looking like it could be a wasted season for J.P. Crawford, which is disappointing. I know a lot of people are down on J.P. Crawford. I still have hopes that maybe he won't be the guy that we once thought like a franchise cornerstone player. I don't think it'll be that, but I still think J.P. Crawford could be a solid everyday player in the major leagues. It's disappointing that we probably won't get to see that this year, though. He missed a lot of time earlier. Now, we'll probably be out until August. So, that is disappointing. We'll get to see more Scott Kingery, who people, I think, are overreacting on him as well. He's a young player. He'll he'll get it together. But as far as Gabe Kapler goes, I just don't know what else people want him to do. He's, he's playing with a limited deck. He's doing the most with what he has. And I think he's done a pretty damn good job in his first year as Philly's manager. And that'll wrap up Trash Talk with TK. Uh, I'll be on 94 WIP for the first time in a while as I was away on my honeymoon, but I'm back. I will be on this week, Sunday into Monday morning, taking you up to Angelo and the morning show. And then I'll be on again um, next weekend. I'll let you know uh, when we do a podcast next week. So I'm Tom Kelly. This has been Trash Talk with TK. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys this weekend on 94WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.